folks, welcome to Jetcetera, the Winnipeg Free Press podcast about the Jets, other sports, and etc. I'm your host, sports editor Steve Lyons, and I'm joined as usual by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Mike, hi, how are you today? I am doing great on this uh, beautiful, gray, dreary, cloudy Wednesday. Yeah, right on. It's Wednesday, February the what? 24th. We should mention the date each time. We should, I know people yeah. go back and they listen to all of these over and over again, and they, you know, <laughs> they want to know what the date is, yeah. This is, having said that, it's episode 53, and today uh, we'll talk about uh, the Jets entering what might be their most telling portion of their season, uh, the second debut of Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, Tiger Woods' car crash, and your attempt to tap into my excellent shot making by offering to buy my golf clubs over the weekend. <laughs> An offer that was politely rejected. By the way, <laughs> I'm still pondering it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was just trying to create space for your latest bike. Exactly. I, I, I well, that's why I'm thinking about it. Yeah. But, I, but I might, I'll, I'll get into it. We'll get into <laughs> it in the overtime session. How's that? All right, let's get to the first period. So, Mike, um, zzz, I always do that. Does that get beeped out? This gen beep? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it should. People think you're swearing if it gets beeped out. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. So, um, okay. So, yeah, uh, the Jets. Uh, whoa. Who's that? Always happens. There's always a phone call. Um, we're not going to answer it, though, folks. We'll just let that go to uh, my voicemail. Um, if that's you calling, I'll be sure to get back to you. Caller, later. just hold. We'll get to you. Uh, our people will get back to your people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, what's the Jets record, Mike? 11-6? 11-6-1. 11-6-1. Did you know that, Steve, since they've come back in 2011, the Jets have never had more than 11 wins in their first 18 games. This is tied for the most wins they've ever had uh, through their first 18 games of a season. Well, Mike, they're 9-3-1 against the three worst teams in the division. They are beating okay. up on the 98-pound weaklings. Yeah. Yes, okay. So, And they're 2-3 and three against the other three teams. They haven't played much against Edmonton, Toronto, and Montreal. They haven't played Montreal at all. They're going to play them twice this week. Starting tomorrow uh, night. They've played Toronto just once. And uh, they've played Edmonton, what, four, four times? times? And they're 2-2? Two 2-2. And two? Two and two. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, Edmonton's playing pretty well this season. Um, I didn't think they were going to have that good a record this year, but they're they're doing all right. They're getting Connor McDavid. Oh my God, he's uh, and yeah, he's just otherworldly. They like, can. Has he always been this good? Did I, was no, I, I think something? he's this is like, really taking a level step. This year, right? It is for sure. Yeah, okay. And they seem like a team not unlike the Jets that can outscore some of their problems and flaws. Right. So uh, okay, so the Jets uh, are going to play Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal. Uh, 23 times in the next 34 games. <laughs> um, thanks for that stat, Mike. Just, yes. to think, just in case you folks at home think I did that research, I did not. Mike McIntyre, he always does the numbers. He crunches the numbers. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they're at um, after that stretch. Um, here's what I'll say, and, and, and you pointed this out as well. Here's what I will say, and I've read a, a, a bit about this as well from other um, journalists around the country. Here's what I will say about the Jets. Um, they, they, um, they're in every game they play, and I think that their lineup will enable them to be in every game they play. They're, they haven't been out of any game no. this season, right? I mean, even the lo- even when they fall behind by a couple goals right. early, they're never out of a game. Right. The, the game against Toronto, they 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 were might have been their one of their, you know, I think their worst game of the season was the game against Vancouver here a couple of Saturday right. nights ago. Right, four one loss. I mean, even the yeah. game of Toronto where they had a spurt of thirteen minutes there in the second period where they were completely outplayed. 
uh, they still lost to an empty net goal, and so they still had a chance at all that or whatever. And it was a weird game in that they had some COVID issues over the weekend, right. et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, so despite their deficiencies and whatever those might be, different people have different opinions on what their deficiencies are. I think we, even you and I, I think we all do. Um, they're tough out um, on any given night. And so over the next 34 games, it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain a 600 winning percentage. If they can, well, then they're, like, they're right. certainly legit. You know, we used to talk about the Jets – big five when we talked about their offensive players and prior to the trade that would have included Shifley, Line, Ehlers, Connor and Wheeler. Correct. I'd say they now have a big seven. I would include uh, Andrew Kopp now because I think Andrew Kopp has shown that he has the offensive chops. He can play with in the top line and, and fit in quite well. And they got Paul Stasny back who's not He's not a point-of-game player, but he's still got nine or ten points this year, and he helps on the power play. Paul Stasny is so. Does he? I think so. <laughs> uh, Jeff Hamilton did a really nice, uh, nice feature on on Paul Stasny. Quality guy, day. obviously. Yeah, yeah, very quality. They love him in the room. Uh, but I think the Jets uh, and you know Pierre Luc Dubois is two goals and his assists. We'll talk about that in a bit. But you know, I think the Jets for sure have the offensive chops to to outscore a lot of their flaws. Uh, and and what are their flaws? You know, it's not goaltending. Uh, Lauren Brassois, brilliant the other day in Vancouver. I'd start him every game in Vancouver from now on. He's never given up a goal playing in his hometown. Wow. In three appearances, which is crazy. Uh, but Connor Hellebuck's been very good as well. Maybe his numbers aren't quite as stellar as He's last year. He's been much year, better lately, he, yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, what are the flaws? The blue line, I guess. Uh, which to me it's serviceable, which I mean, maybe that's all you need with this, this group. Yeah. It'd be great if they were all-star caliber, although Neil Pionk is having a hell of a season. Yeah. I'd suggest Neil Pionk is having an all-star season. Yeah. I mean, he's sixth in the NHL in, in scoring among defensemen, um, he throws big hits. Like he looks like he's trying to run he's everybody. Well yeah. He does. Yeah. And so the, the big flaw and, and I'm, I'm not sure about this, but apparently the big flaw with the Jets, with all the fancy numbers, and I, I'm gonna, just going to say, folks, I, I, I'm no expert on the fancy numbers, is that the Jets seem to have trouble getting the puck out of their own zone. So that's that's the knock on these defensemen. Right. Um, I, I would agree. Would you they, agree with that? It, yeah. It's too bad they don't have a really good puck-moving defenseman in the system, a la well, Billy Hainala. Right. Um, I'm not for bringing him up, by the no, way. No, and yeah, you know what? Yeah. After watching him play a game with the Moose in person last week, leave him on the farm for a bit. Uh, there's a ton of talent there for sure. Just scored uh, two goals the other night in the A, including the overtime winner for the Moose. Set so up the Jets by are above middle of the road. Like I think I was looking at the stats and goals against average on the season. I think that they're above middle of the road. They are. Uh, yeah. Where uh, they are really poor right now, I was looking at natural stat trick, which I, I do enjoy going to that site. I was looking at it last night. The Jets are s second last in the NHL in, in what is known as expected goal percentage. <laughs> what is that? So that is looking <laughs> at basically um, how many goals. I expect to score every time. Right. <laughs> but it, it factors in things like high dangerous chances and, right. and the percentage that teams would score. So when your expected goal percentage is low, what that says is you're giving up you're giving up way more than you're getting. The Jets are still giving up a lot more chances that the odds would suggest should end up in the back of of their net. 
as they are getting those kind of chances. In fact, only Los Angeles has a worse worse expected goal differential than the Jets. So you're 30th in a 31-team league, and yet they're 7th in the NHL in win percentage, which tells you, again, a couple things. Their goaltending has been tremendous. It's fending off those chances, and they're, they're outscoring their expectations. Why are they giving up those chances, do you think? Well, I, is I, it the defenseman? Is it the system? Is I think it the it's, I think it is a combination, but I do think that, you know, we talked, Steve, you've talked about why don't the Jets just f- go full throttle more often, right? Maybe they kind of are and it just doesn't look that way all the time because when you see a team that is vastly outscoring the number of goals they should be scoring. That tells you they have some extreme high-end finishing talent. Well, they do, yeah. But they're also giving up a ton. Um, That almost suggests that they're trading at times offense for defense. So on the eye test, just on the eye test, does it it seem like that? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Does it? You know, it's interesting. I mean, they give up a lot of chances, but so does the other team. So I asked Paul Maurice about that the other day. You know, why don't you just step on the gas because we see it in spurts right where the Jets are desperate in the third period and they look like world beaters like they did the other night against Vancouver when they turned a two-nothing deficit it's like the Jets just decided all right let's go play Paul Maurice had an interesting take on it Steve he said he thinks that the Jets play the same way almost every game that why they look different has more to do with what the other team is doing than what the Jets are doing I don't know that I buy that, that he's basically saying, yeah, we might look better at times because the other team changes the way they play. So we use the Vancouver game as an example. He suggested Vancouver drastically changed the way they were playing as they tried to protect that two-goal lead very poorly, as it turns out. They got away from doing what made the Jets look not so good earlier in the game, whereas Paul Maurice claims the Jets played kind of the same consistent way the whole game. So maybe we're looking at the wrong thing, right? I mean, I don't know. It's it's it might just be coaches spin. Um, well, I think there's all kinds of spin. There's spin in stats. There's coaches spin. I think that ultimately, you know, for me, it's always going to come down to you know simply one thing: how many games did you win and how many games did you lose, right? right? And I think that's what it comes down to for a lot of the players, right? For sure. Um, so. Um, I don't know. And you know, there's you look. A lot of, I see a lot of fancy stats these days suggesting that the, the Jets are terrible. Right. And <laughs> they're uh, terrible, Mike. And I, I get, hear a lot of that online, too. There's a lot of hand wringing, a lot of angst. I mean, to, to, to some of these people's credit, they're not just saying this because they like to always see the negative. What they are suggesting is is that the Jets' record is a bit of a mirage and they're going to come down to earth, that this is not... If they keep playing like this, that an 11-6-1 stretch every 18 games is not sustainable, uh, we'll soon find out because they're going to get a tough test starting Thursday, although the Montreal Canadiens are kind of reeling and they just fired their coach today. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, get a, we'll learn a lot about these Jets in the coming weeks. <laughs> All right, folks, we're back for the second period of our Jet Cetera podcast. Mike Pierre-Luc Dubois made his second debut with the team on um, Sunday. Man, the days stream together, don't they? They do. Sunday night at 9 o'clock. These 9 o'clock games are going to kill me, Mike. Um, Anyways, um, I know you love them because you're a night owl, but they're messing with my morning workouts. Although I will say... 
I get so wired writing to deadline. And when your deadline, when you're filing like past midnight, those four games last week, I couldn't fall asleep. All of those nights, I was still awake at like 2.30 or wow. 3 in the morning because you're like wired. It probably didn't help that I also like had a cup of coffee at about 9 o'clock <laughs> when the puck was dropping just to kind of give myself an extra little jolt. Right. So, yeah, I'm looking forward. Their next road trip is a five-gamer to the East Coast later next week, uh, all like 6 o'clock starts. Nice. So that'll be nice. I like those. The only thing I need to worry about those ones is getting home and getting some food made before the game starts. But I've... I've been using a crock pot a little bit more lately. I got the crock pot going right now, as a matter of fact, Mike. I was debating whether to use it tomorrow or tonight. But anyways, back to Pierre-Luc We Dubois. just had crock pot pulled pork last night. It was delicious. Oh, nice. Oh, it was so good. Oh, I'm, I got chicken. Chicken thighs. Pierre-Luc Dubois yeah, uh, came back, scored a couple of goals, including the overtime winner, had an assist on a power play goal by Neil Pionk. Um, he was playing on a wing. On the wing, yeah. left wing, with Mark Shifley and um, Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler. He's basically taking Kyle Connor's old spot. Yeah, on. so <laughs> Jeff Hamilton's at practice today, and he's going to write a story about how long Paul Maurice is expected to keep that lineup. <laughs> like, he'll be lucky to keep it until the next game with Maurice line, Maurice's line blender. I'm just looking. The line rushes got tweeted out about half oh, an hour ago. Okay. Dubois at practice today is still on the wing with Shifley and Wheeler. Okay. So I like that. I do um, too. Personally, because um, I think that uh, I like the idea of loading up uh, a line like that. And then the you're telling me you like Dubois with Shifley better than with Trevor Lewis, Steve? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, much better. Hey, I'm sure uh, Pierre Luc Dubois <laughs> likes that better as well. So um, I like the idea of loading up a line like that. Um, I like the idea of Dubois, um, you know, playing on the wing for a bit. I don't think you know, I know that you know when they traded for him, they were trumpeting this depth at center, and it still gives them depth well, at sure. center. It's just they don't need to play him there right now, right? Because let's if they if Dubois is playing center, then you're moving another center, which is Paul Stasny Correct. to the wing. Somebody was getting moved to the wing as right. soon as and Stasny's only here for this year, probably. Right. I'd be surprised if they resign him, but um, but so yeah, this is not he's not a full time winger. He's gonna be he's gonna be the Jets number one A or two center, whatever well, you want to call. He'll him. probably be the number one center. Right. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, it's 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 a good place for it's just a lot of skill with Wheeler. The Blake Wheeler still. You know what? Oh man, can he ever pass? He still? can still pass the puck, can't he? Like. When you, you often hear, you know, when players age, the last thing to go, who did I see? I think it was Scott Campbell said the other day on Twitter as a former player. He said the last thing that goes as a professional hockey player is your hands. Oh, yeah. Like, so your feet will go, right. maybe your head a bit. And, right. I mean, everything you're, but your hands will be the last to go. And Blake Wheeler's always had pretty soft hands. Yeah, can, for sure. You know, and the, he set up uh, the first, well, he set up all three goals the other night in Vancouver, but... That pass he made to Mark Shifley for what was the tying goal, where he kind of did a he sort of spun out of a check and just sort of a, a real That's a really smart play. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the hands are the hands. I don't think ever left. The rest of Blake Wheeler looks a lot better, mm -hmm. and so it's a nice compliment to Shifley and Wheeler. I think so, and I and I like the idea. Listen, I, I, I'm a big fan of Andrew Kopp uh, of what he's done with his career since coming here. Um, I like him better as a third line player though than a top line player. Right. I, I think that's what th that just gives your lineup so much more depth. You I know said what I mean? this like, the other day. Um, to me, the cop 
Lowry Appleton trio. That could be one of the, if not the best third line in the NHL. Remember back to when the Jets had their run to the, the Western final, so much of their success that year was the TLC line, right? Cop, Lowry, Tanev. Yep. Uh, Cop is, is way better of a player today than he was in 2018. I'd say Adam Lowry is also a better player today. And Healthier, in, in sure. my yeah. eyes, yeah. Yeah. Mason Appleton, I love Brandon Tanev, but Mason Appleton is a much better hockey player than Brandon Tanev. So you look at that trio, which has only been together one game, uh, because Appleton wasn't really there early in the year when when Kopp and Lowry were together. Like I think give that line some time. That could be a dominant third line. And then you let your two big lines. And then who cares who's on the fourth line? Which I know everybody's, why is Nate Thompson playing? Why isn't, I mean, I'd like to see Harkins and Veseline. And I think the kids should probably be playing over the old guys, maybe. Especially over Nate Thompson. Uh, yeah, a lot of people say, you know, I don't mind. I, I don't mind veteran players. Um, I'm, I, I, I would lean more towards just as a personal preference, and I don't coach in the NHL, as right. most of you know that, uh, folks. Um, I, I don't mind veteran players. It's one of the things I like about the Jets, as, uh, as far as what how they'll do this season, is that they're they're chock full of veteran players right. all the way up and down their lineup. And um, so, I mean, a line, a, a third line of Nate, a fourth line of Nate Thompson. Matthew uh, Trevor Perot. Lewis and Matthew Perot is they're 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 going to consistent going to be much more. Consistent. You know you're going to get five strong minutes from Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And yeah. whereas if you throw some kids out there who you're are used to sure. playing, they played 20 minutes everywhere they've been their whole career. Correct. You're not sure what you're getting Correct. if if they're going 20 minutes between in real time between shifts. So. Yeah, I get it. I mean, Nate Thompson, they can use him. If a penalty killer takes a penalty, he's your next guy up to, to kill penalties. Yeah. He's a centerman where Harkins isn't necessarily natural center, so he could take a face off if you feel you need it. I'm not a huge Harkins fan, Mike. I'm just not. He doesn't. He skates and does a lot of things, but he's like one of those guys in the office that walks around looking really, really busy, but never gets anything right. accomplished. I mean, Christian Veselainen, to me, had he looked a nice good. showing. He looked good. I'd like to and see him. He's a first-round draft pick. It pains like you a little him. bit to take a kid like that out who yeah. really hasn't done anything to deserve it. Right. But, um, but yeah, who cares who's on the fourth line? You're going to play your top three lines a ton. Good for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, I'm sure, Steve, that must have felt like a massive weight off his shoulders because he's had a weird first month here, the two weeks of quarantine. Then he plays two games where, you know, you're just getting your feet wet. Then you get hurt. Now you have to rehab again. Uh, and meanwhile, he no doubt is sitting back. He's watching like Patrick Laine score a bunch of goals. Jack Rosovic's getting all these points. And he has yet to contribute anything to his new team. I'm sure that felt like the weight of the world. To Somebody sent me a note asking whether the Jets, he said we, by the way, I didn't make the trade. Uh, <laughs> we had we yep. had uh, traded for a glass uh, glass tiger, um, a guy who played his first two hundred and forty one games of his yeah. career. Yeah. And by the way, people because everybody wants to make snap judgments. Paul Maurice said as much the other day. Dubois has been lobbying him forever to get Dubois wanted to play hurt. And it was Maurice who wasn't going to allow it. You know, they the team has been going pretty well. They didn't feel like they had to rush him back. I think Maurice has a good, a, a, a long view on things for sure. Um, and it, it while it's a shortened season this year, it's still a long road to a Stanley Cup potentially, right? And so um, he, he, I think he often makes decisions. 
with that in mind. Right. And whether that's with young players, veteran players, changing in lineups, matchups, injuries, et cetera, et cetera. I think his experience, and he's been around a while now, right, um, uh, allows him and his security. I think he feels secure in his job, and sure. that also allows you to make decisions with a long view. I know that for a, from a personal standpoint, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Absolutely. I'm not going to get whacked here tomorrow, I don't think. Although I did say to the publisher the other day, I don't know whether he listens to this or not. We were down in the, down in the, um, down in the uh, cafeteria, and I mentioned that um, if if I do get walked out of here, I, I I'm not interested in severance pay, but I was wondering if he could buy me a dog. A dog? <laughs> That'd be a great. He laughed. Gift. Yeah. Could you send? I don't want to watch. How about a dog? Send me on the. Hey, <laughs> like he just looked at me. <laughs> I was, I, it, it's a long story of how we got onto the conversation of dogs, but that's what I want, folks. If you're walking me out of here tomorrow, can you get me a dog? Some people want the golden parachute. <laughs> you want a golden retriever. There you I go. love it. All right, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Cetera podcast. Mike, yesterday, some uh, shocking news at one point in, in the middle of the afternoon yesterday when um, I was, you know, I saw online and Jason Bell sent me a note as well. Uh, alerting me to the fact that Tiger Woods had uh, been involved in a a rollover uh, motor vehicle crash in Los Angeles. At one point, it was reported that he had to be pried from the vehicle with the jaws of life. That turned out to be incorrect. Right. Uh, but Tiger uh, did suffer um, severe uh, injuries. Uh, his leg had to have a leg. His right leg, foot, and ankle had screws and pins put in it into right. it. And um, you hear terms like open fractures, and that makes yeah it very squeamish. I know. So it was a very you know potentially that's the kind of crash that people die in. Of course, when your car is rolling, right? You know, at a higher speed like that. I guess the airbags uh, saved him, and and so um, and seatbelt, which yeah, he, he had all of that on or whatever. And so lots of lots of lots of news breaking on this. Um, um, I'll, I'm a Tiger Woods fan. Um, you are a Tiger fan? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Me- yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of him since the controversy, yeah. let's call it that, than I was before that. I mean, A, you like to cheer for the underdog a bit, but I think that he's, his personality has, I was not a huge fan of his personality prior to the right. big controversy. Um, but you got to give the guy credit for what looks to be somewhat of a um, changed uh, person mm-hmm. since um, everything that happened. And, and uh, you know, I'm not without my flaws, Mike. i got a lot of flaws. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. And, um, and so I'm certainly not going to judge anybody, and that includes Tiger Woods, for the mistakes that they've made in their life. And and um, man, and, and I'm just thankful all of mine weren't publicly reported yeah. by TMZ. Holy mackerel! You never got chased by an ex with a wielding a golf I'm, club. I'm, I'm not going to go into the details, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny you use the term underdog, and I was thinking yesterday too, like. Part of me views Tiger Woods as an underdog, which is insane yeah, for a guy weird, who yeah. might be the greatest of all time in his sport. But it's felt these last few years, and when he won the Masters a couple of years, that felt like the ultimate underdog story, even though it's a guy who he shouldn't be. You an know, underdog. it's Black History Month, and it should not be understated. It can never be understated 
for what Tiger Woods has done in sports. I mean, not just in golf, in, not in, just in, in golf. Sports, no, right? like he's potentially one of the most famous people in the world. I mean, you know, up there with Muhammad Ali type mm-hmm. of thing, right? Do you know what I mean? And and yeah, he's he did some shady stuff in his personal life, but his foundations and uh, that and and his inspiration to uh, other young black athletes, etc., yeah. etc. Et um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, he's the, it, it, he's he, there's some incongruence to him for sure. Yeah, yeah. you know, it it's not unlike Kobe Bryant, who was a very flawed person. Yeah, but I think as Kobe aged and became a father and and a mentor to a lot of people, like we really saw that soften. And then, of course, his tragic death. Uh, just over a year ago, and you saw this outpouring that would have been very unlikely maybe a decade earlier, given some of the vitriol surrounding him. So, yeah, I mean, you see the the images of Tiger Woods' car, and you're like, how did anybody survive that? Like, it rolled down the embankment, and mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen a speed yet, but everybody seems to think it was traveling at a high rate of speed, I guess. Uh, no, I th- you know, I saw I saw a video this morning on TMZ. They have, uh, they have the, uh, the footage just several miles back and he was driving and there was another car in front of him and he's on the highway and he's not passing anybody. Okay. He's going the same speed up with as the other vehicle right. with a fairly good gap actually between it. So it doesn't look like that there was any kind of speed you know, involved. It's unfor- but here's the thing. Here, here's one thing I will say about this or whatever. Um, have you watched the show Succession yet? I have on, not. On Crave? amazing show so okay so if i'm a billionaire and tiger woods i think is is close to being a billionaire or whatever <laughs> i'm not driving myself frankly. right yeah <laughs> it's kind of remarkable that uh, at seven in the morning he's driving his yeah, own vehicle right I'm, I'm in a car man somebody's driving me while i drink my latte and right. i talk on the phone yeah it is I'm totally but tiger's like this he's always been like this he did the navy seals training and he always insists on driving himself everywhere he wants to be like he wants to be like this regular dude and, yeah and, and but he's got a you know a, a hundred million dollar yacht and or whatever right do you know what I mean and all this or whatever but yeah I'm not I'm not I'm not driving I'm just not you know one of the things and it's unfortunate not surprising he's had some issues with his driving he has <laughs> yeah maybe he should just not on the golf course his driving's no, pretty good on the course well even there is driving well, it's, true. Not, it's, it's been a little suspect yeah um he's tried to straighten that out as well but you know it's unfortunate uh, something like this invites speculation and you see it like I, I, it was within minutes and already there's all kinds of theories. Oh, he about, had it coming as well. Right, too. or he... Bad he's, karma. He's relapsed or... All kinds of things. You know, I saw somebody say they saw the, an interview that was done on TV with him this past weekend. Someone's like, oh, I thought he looked stoned in that interview. Like he's he's probably back on Ambien again. <laughs> like everybody... I mean, the, the sheriffs, I think, have said there's no suspicion of no. impairment. No. Um, I guess we don't know what caused this. Did he fall asleep? Did he swerve to avoid something? I mean, we don't know. Usually cars don't just fly off the road. Yeah, apparently it's a bad corner or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. the road is known <clears throat> for that. And so if you were maybe unaware and he was, he was not, he was driving a... Um, it was a rental, wasn't it? Well, yeah, like a golf 
courtesy vehicle right. SUV. A, so if you're not big, familiar with the big car. SUV, S, yeah. uh, uh, Genesis SU. Seven in the morning. Where's the sun at that time of morning? Like, is that an issue? I, we'll yeah. find out. For sure. Uh, the good news is he's seen the last report earlier today. He's talking. He's, I mean, who knows what this is going to mean for his career. That Obviously, his life takes precedence over anything. Thankfully, he's going to survive this. Is, is this a career ender? I mean, you, it sounds like really bad damage to his leg. You kind of need your legs to golf, right? Yeah, like, yeah. so, could, and we know he's had back issues and stuff. Like, this could be the end of of Tiger Woods. Everybody was hoping, or not everybody, but was he going to take a run at Jack's, you know, um, uh, majors record? Was he one short? I think uh, you know, I'm you not great think, with you're the numbers guy. Yeah, Mike. I think he needs one to tie. Yeah, so he's at seven, 17. I think last made, year was a 17. Right, yeah. and Jack, I think, is 18. He may never yeah. play a major or a golf tournament again of, of a normal variety. Like if he, depending. I, I wouldn't either. Why bother? Again, well, like I got a billion dollars. I'm going to just, <laughs> I'm going to chill. <laughs> I'm literally, I don't understand. I may have said this before. I'm sorry, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, folks. But I just, I may have said this even last week. Like I don't get it. Like after I made my first six million, I'm done. Right, you're done. <laughs> you're checking out. And I guess that's what um, elite athletes maybe have that that internal drive that most of us can't really fathom, right? Like the, and it, it's the same. I mean, even with a guy that yes yeah, signs the big long term contract, what motivates them now to to keep going? And obviously, it's more than just money. Ah, oh, they love the sport. They love the game. I think they really do. They're like big kids or whatever, still playing or whatever. Like it's it's why I come to work every day. It's why I do this. I don't do it for the money. I do it for the love of the game, folks. <laughs> All right, folks, we're back for the overtime session of our Jet Setra podcast. Had to remember where I was there for a second, Mike, (laughs) in my office here with you. Um, We we talked a lot about golf in the third period, uh, mostly about Tiger Woods. But I mentioned earlier, folks, Mike McIntyre sends me a text on the weekend. Um, He says, yeah, you might have just been kidding, but if you were interested in selling me your golf clubs, I might want to step up my game a little bit this year. I've been using the same club since I was a teenager. Like, oh my God, what are you golfing with, Mike? Oh, I don't, actually, it's not even one set, Steve. It's a bit of a mishmash of clubs. Like I have a few here, a few there. I've picked up a, you know, when I was a teen, I'd, Buy a I buy a seven iron from somewhere, or I think a friend gave me a club. I don't know what that kind I have. What driver are you using? So my driver like is newish. <laughs> I can't remember what brand. I actually, Not wooden, right? No, no, no. But I do I do like my driver actually. Oversized. I, yeah. Oh yeah, it's a massively okay. oversized driver. All right. Well, I, at least he's using an oversized driver. I folks. bought the driver probably ten years ago. I think I bought uh, it in right. the states right. somewhere. But um, yeah, the grips are shot. Like there is no grip left. I've never had my clubs regripped. So there's like no grip on them. A couple of them are like chipped. So, I mean, it's funny. I sent you that text that was on, I think, Sunday when it was like plus three and spring was in the air. That's, yeah, it got I was, me. I, I went was biking from, on the river. Yeah, I went for my walk. I saw your beautiful pictures of bike. And I'm like, man, I'm th- I, I was by Kelowna Golf Course. I'm just thinking about golf. And, 
And I'm like, I got to get, I got to step up and, and get some new clubs. So I thought, oh, I'll start looking around. And then I thought, oh, yeah, Steve mentioned sort of jokingly, I think. But then I'm like, well, Steve's bought like 14 bikes this winter. <laughs> like at some point, he's got to be running out of space for these bikes. Maybe the if, golf clubs take up a very little small they would. spot in a cubby hole. Yeah, they, for they're, sure. They're not intruding on my bike space. But I yet. thought, well, if he's maybe if he's really, truly going to declare his golfing career over. I know he had talked about maybe getting back on the course last year and then he didn't so if he's really done or if he just wants his clubs to be used you know i'll rent them to you maybe exactly it could be yeah. more of a rental agreement That's an than, interesting a possibility. than a purchase agreement hmm. like a rent to own kind of uh, uh deal you know just to get them some use but i hmm. figured whatever you had are a hell of a lot better than what I have. I've got a nice set of ping clubs there. Mike. I, that's what I thought. Yeah, so Nice ping irons. Ping, and you're a righty. Yeah. I'm a righty. Yeah. So we're about similar height. So I, yeah. I don't imagine there'd be an issue Mine there. were actually fitted. I oh. have a fitted set oh, of clubs. Oh, man. So, yeah. yeah. So I thought, well, it's worth a shot. And uh, <laughs> I had no idea what I would even offer them for. Like, And then I was like, what, I, what can I get in return for this? I started to think or whatever. So. What a puppy. A puppy, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I saw a beautiful Irish terrier on my bike ride on the weekend on the the Assiniboine River and the Red River. Those Um, are beautiful dogs, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. So I'm super interested in that or a German pincer. But um, Quick quick story, folks. Steve actually said to me the other day that one of the reasons he's disappointed I can't travel for the Jets right now, especially on their next road trip out <laughs> east, is because if I was going to Toronto, I could potentially bring him back a dog. True story. He's yeah. had his eye on a dog out east. There's a lady who sent me a note. She's got a, a German pincer. He's about 14 months old. She was going to use him in the show ring, um, but he's he's a little more frolicky than that. And so um, she's, you know, looking for a home for it. And um, so, and she thought of me. And so, um, but it's, you can't transport any dogs right now. So it can't get it. Um, But so she's going to hang on to it. We'll see what happens in the spring. (laughs) Um, I was going to drive, maybe a drive and get it. But here's a, here's something, here's something, here's a new one for you. I'm thinking about getting rid of my car and going carless. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, for at least until like from now or or so in the next few weeks, from now until at least until the winter, October, November, yeah. yeah, and see what it would be like just to yeah, to live without a car, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so like I mean a big say a big grocery shop, how would you cuz Well, I just I live on my own. I, I it's just okay, me. I don't so, do right, big yeah, grocery so you're not shops, shopping yeah. for four like we are in our nope. house where you you couldn't shopping for carry me. all that on your on your bike Well, or you could make multiple trips. You could, yeah. You could re- you could also a, rent. Take a cab. For sure, Uber. We have Uber now in Winnipeg, right. so So there's different options mm-hmm. or whatever. Um Interesting. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm interested to know what it would be like. Um, I think it'd be an interesting experiment. Save me a whack of cash. So would um, you sell your car, or would you just like just not use it? It's for... on a lease right now, oh, okay. so I've been investigating this lease busters thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I've got about a year left in the lease, so if I don't do it this spring, next spring. when the lease runs out next spring, I'm going to do it. And um, and I'll just ride my bikes. It'd almost be a fascinating story at the end, like how I I'll survived write about it every day in my right. playbook. Exactly, and then like <laughs> uh, like how I went six months or whatever yeah. without a car. It Absolutely, would be, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, it's an interesting storyline, and 
it would be kind of a new it's just a kind of an adventure that i was thinking about mm-hmm. so um yeah i'm tempted to do it and i think you know it, you can't bike on the river in the summer right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just want to make sure that you know that yeah i do know that you know i, I biking on the river i went biking this uh, sunday and we, we were biking on the river first time in my 60 years of life that I was on the Winnipeg winter, uh, Winnipeg rivers yeah. in the wintertime. You yeah. really see the city a amazing. different way, right? Absolutely amazing. I remember years ago uh, doing, a, it was like a charity uh, rowing event and we'd go out rowing late evenings. Uh, there's a few of us at the Free Press here, Leah Jansen, Kim Gatormson. And I had never rowed before. I loved it. It was great. But just being out on the river, like in the evening, it's like this was a whole new world to yeah. me. Like this city that I've been in my entire life yeah. looked so different. Yeah. And so I imagine I, I've done, I've walked the river trail and stuff before. Have you? Yeah. I've skated yeah. on it as okay, well. Yeah. I don't think I've ever gone as far because most years it hasn't been open to the degree that it's open this year. So it's open to the longest lengths it's ever been open yeah. this year. So it goes I, all the way down the Red River too. That's all the way down to the Saint Vital, all the way down the tr- the Saint Vital Bridge. That's or whatever, amazing. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you can really see Winnipeg in a in a much different way, and I would encourage anyone to to do it. But yeah, you can't take your car on the river, and you can't bike in the summer. Oh well. You also can't golf on the river. Uh, so yeah, we'll. Uh... Oh oh oh! I've seen people try to golf <laughs> in the river with their both feet in the river, Mike. I have seen that funny story too. Here's the funniest river story, golf river story. Um, my 40th birthday was golfing with Paul Wiesick, uh, who used to work for us. Yeah. Um, we were at a river Oaks golf course in, which is South part of town, et cetera, et cetera. Paul, um, <laughs> got so frustrated with his game that he threw his golf clubs into the river. <laughs> what <laughs> was this early in the round or t- towards the end? Uh, I don't know, 12th or 13th. Please tell me when to fish them back out at no, least. I don't think so. He I was done. We, I think we left and had a few more drinks. <laughs> Remind what is it with free press colleagues? I golfed last year with Jay Bell, who started off strong by about the eleventh hole. J- Jay's game had just gone into the the gutter, and I believe he announced his retirement from golf <laughs> retirement. on about the eleventh hole. Nice. And then he made a par later in the round, and he was back. And uh, yeah, one time uh, this is going way back to another free press sports columnist, Scott Taylor. Scott Taylor once wrote a a, a golf column. And the headline and the lead was, I hate golf's guts. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott plays a lot of golf. Right. And, and, uh, but, and it, was, it was a beautifully written column just about how, how torturous it can be for, sure. for something that we love, right? And it, you, you have a terrible round and then it just keeps you coming yeah. back. So, All right. Four. Yeah. Time for us to go, Mike. We will um, be back. Thanks for listening. As always, folks, we'll be back next Wednesday. Um, stay safe and enjoy the new weather. Thank you.